Hey, tennis fans, and welcome to another edition of Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We're also members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre. And Mike, we don't really get a break in the transition from clay court swing to grass. It's it's so immediate right after Roland Garros. And I know last week you spoke to Carson Brandstein, but I realized this episode, this is kind of our first episode of chatting about the grass court season. And suddenly, I mean, we're already into to Wimbledon qualifying. It happens so qu- so quickly. Yeah, this is uh, what? Episode one of three that will mention grass court tennis on our entire <laughs> podcast right. season out of, you know, whatever 45 or so episodes we end up doing in a calendar year. Probably we do more than that. But anyhow, short and sweet on grass. Uh, I always wish it was more. I feel like most tennis fans wish the grass court season was longer. I don't often talk to people who are like, no, it's good as is. I don't want any more grass court tennis. It, it, and it's funny because grass used to be such a dominant surface in professional tennis going back to the 1970s when even the U.S. Open was played on grass. So um, it's it's kind of come down from there. And, I, you know, that might be an interesting topic that we explore in a future episode is, is why grass court tennis has become such a niche surface now in the 21st century um we've talked in the past amused about having a a 1000 level tournament on the men's and women's side to give it a little bit more credibility and give the lead up a little bit more clout but it is what it is it's short and sweet we love it i love it and i'm excited to chat with you about it this week and and hear about your uh, talking to it to our our guests this week as well yeah yeah it was a a pleasure to have uh journalist humani cariole back on the podcast. I, I believe we spoke with him last year at some point, and this is a uh, second time just chatting with me this time and good timing because uh, he is a British journalist. He's obviously covering all the action. He's in Eastbourne right now. That is the site of the return of Serena Williams. Curiously, just in doubles, she's not playing singles this week, but uh, we touch on Serena Williams, talk about you know a few of our contenders and, and storylines heading into Wimbledon because qualifying, as I said, is beginning this week and um for my money i I just think he's one of the best best writers of our sport honestly i I think he's a great storyteller so it was a pleasure to have him on and without further ado here's my conversation with Tumani cariel you are listening to matchpoint canada the official podcast of tennis canada and i'm now happy to be joined by a journalist for the guardian and for my money one of the best writers we have in our sport today very happy to welcome back to many cariel to our podcast to many uh, thanks uh, for taking the time this week hi ben Thank, thanks for having me again yeah no we we appre- we we appreciate it and I, I guess i'll start firstly how are you how's uh, the 2020 season and year going for you i i feel like elements of it tennis wise it's it's kind of flown by and then you know you look at the calendar we we still have so much ahead with uh two grand slams on the way yeah it feels like at, at least for me it feels like the most well one of the most in, intense periods you know uh, after i don't know friend i'm still kind of getting used to just the the french uh, in terms of working you know in terms of the french open which was really long you know, given that the long now there's night sessions and um, it, it goes on really late, and then flipping straight to the grass season and yeah, it's I, I'm I'm actually pretty tired to be honest, um, <laughs> but it's it's yeah, it's, it's been an just an interesting season where there's just so much happening off the court as well as on the court. Of, you know, obviously the most recent you know coming into the grass season, it's the whole you know how Wimbledon reacted 
the the point situation and after Wimbledon decided to ban um, Russian and Belarusian players and I don't know there, there always seems to be something so you know as, as Wimbledon approaches I'm kind of just waiting to see what <laughs> what comes next you know what what else kind of you know take takes over for a few days at least yeah yeah we we've had just uh i think unending storylines as you said on and off the court and yeah now we're we always get really immersed into the grass court season because it's not like we get to have a mental or physical break after the french open it's so immediate and and it is is a short short grass court campaign and as you mentioned, just um, the storyline with Russians and Belarusians, uh, obviously banned from from Wimbledon. I did want to touch on that. Uh, qualifying already gets underway this week, and and given that you know those those players from those two countries cannot compete, the ranking points uh, have been stripped. Do you do you get a sense like just being there in the UK? Do you think the event has lost any of its luster, or is the prevailing attitude sort of this is still Wimbledon? It's still the most prestigious tournament in the world. Rankings or no ranking points, certain players or or other players not there. Um, as as much as like it, it was a big kind of well publicized issue, I don't think it has crossed over much at all into. The general public. I mean, I'm sure people have read about it and discussed it, but um, I think at the end of the day, Wimbledon is is still a you know it's still a Grand Slam tournament. It's still going to have most of the the big players there. I, I don't think um, um, yeah, I, I don't think it makes that much of a difference to the tournament. I think you know people are still going to go and watch it and, and etc. I do think that um, at least in my opinion, uh, the the WTA and the ATP, they didn't really have many avenues to respond to um, Wimbledon, um, and so and that was re- ranking points was really you know removing the ranking points was kind of the only thing one of the few things they could do, and so I, I think it's you know I, I I understand that that why they did that, but at the same time yeah I, I think it has limited. Aside from, yeah, it's, I think it has limited impact on the tournament because, you know, the top players are still going to be there. They're still going to make, you know, crazy amounts of money from, you know, all of the, from, you know, the, the same way the tournament makes crazy amount of money every year. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's it's impacted the tournament that much. Well, I'm I'm honestly glad glad for that, and I, I think the last thing we should ever do is be writing in an asterisk next to a Grand Slam tournament. It, it's it's still going to be one of the four biggest tournaments of the year. One storyline that I, I think definitely helps Wimbledon this year, and, and I love that it's happening, is Serena Williams returning um, and, and going to make her debut this week, actually in Eastbourne, before getting a wild card to play Wimbledon. And, and you've had a chance, uh, I know, to see her on the practice court already because you're in Eastbourne covering uh, the tournament. Uh, I, I guess from your view, what what are the early returns? Does it look like regular Serena? And I, I guess if we can set expectations for for Serena over the next couple of weeks, what, what would you sort of set that bar at? Um, it was, uh, to be honest, it, 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 I mean, even in the best of times when she's 100%, it's, it's hard to take so much from watching her practice. Um, you know, she 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 trained with TFO today um, off-site. Had to, you know, uh, no one would really tell me where I was, so I had to just like get out Google Maps and find find you know the ne- the ne- nearest t- tennis club in the area of 
where she was supposed to be. Um, and yeah, so she was practicing with TFO and but there were mainly just doing kind of like ground stroke drills and neither of them were moving that much. I think the big the big question with Serena is is how she's gonna be moving, you know, after you know, after not playing for a year and after you know, a, a large period where she wasn't, you know, a bit I I I'm not sh- sure she was, you know, training even. Um so yeah, I'm still not sure about that, but she did look like, so she did look like she, you know, she looked like someone who who has been practicing for a while, and you know they were, it was, they were playing at high, inte- you know, they were hitting at high intensity, even if they weren't, neither of them were moving as much. So, yeah, um, we'll see, we'll see. Really, I, I, I do think that the fact that she decided to play doubles only. Is, is an interesting decision and maybe suggests that she isn't necessarily where, I don't know, where she wants to be. Um, I don't know. Like last when she last time she, she came back during the grass season was in 2011 and she also played Eastbourne and she played singles there. Um, so I don't know. It's just an interesting decision to only play doubles. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, I've, I've learned both, including this, you know, what's happening right now and over the past, you know, two decades just not to you you know you can never know what to you never know what to expect with Serena so we'll see what she looks like when when she's actually in in the match in the match court yeah yeah that's uh that's no doubt accurate and uh, she does have a good doubles partner I think along alongside her this week obviously in in Anz Jabir who uh, is just coming off her her third career WTA title I I have to say I'm just impressed I think with her mental fortitude for the fact that she seemed to have a very good clay court season and then had so much disappointment at the French open. So I think for her to just sort of flip a switch like that and is playing great tennis on the grass uh, sort of speaks to speaks to her pedigree. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Ons is playing the best tennis of her life. And I think she kind of, um, after the French open loss in, in, in the interview, it was really notable how, you know, she she um, she wasn't. You know, you you you've seen that before, where a player comes into a, a slam with big, you know, expectations and then loses early and then they're very crushed. But she was kind of determined to to take the positives from it, and and I think she kind of showed that she actually did. You know, by by just continuing where she left off in, in the clay season, and yeah, she's she's having the the best. You know, the thing I like about Jabir is that. Over the, over the course of her career, it's been really kind of slow and gradual rise. And, and every year, aside from maybe, you know, one or two seasons earlier on, like she's just improved each time and she's taken another step this year and she's given herself the chance to be in, in these conversations for slams. And, and um, you know, coming into Wimbledon, this is a big opportunity for her. I think there are not as many players kind of as, as the ATP, not not as many of the top players necessarily play that as well on grass. I don't know. There, there's, you know, I mean, the obvious player is, is Iga Shriantek, who has been head and shoulders above everyone on on hard and clay, but is, is more un, uncertain on grass. So this is an... Op- and and Jabir actually beat her at Wimbledon last year. So this is a, um, this is a big opportunity. I'm interested actually to see how... Um, how she does in uh, well just her playing in Eastbourne because uh, you know I, I do think that um, the French Open it probably didn't help her that she she expanded so much energy 
after winning um, in Madrid, then she went to Rome and kind of dragged herself to the, the final, really. That was really impressive. But, you know, after those efforts, it seemed that she just didn't have as much to give at the French Open. So now she's playing again the week before. Well, she's playing the week before Wimbledon um, after winning in Berlin. So um, we'll see if she can just manage her energy and, and arrive at Wimbledon in top shape, you know. Yeah, we'll we'll see if she can physically sustain that that level. It's interesting to to mention Iga Sviantek. Obviously, that the winning streak. She's trying for a Channel Slam, which would be a, an incredible feat to win the French and Wimbledon back to back. And she's opted essentially to to bypass the grass court lead up. I know, I know she I, I think had a, a small injury that she's resting. Is is that maybe pause to say the the field could be hungry or have more of an opportunity to to kind of catch her on an off day and, and end this streak? Or is this more of a sign of such a remarkably confident player who says, you know what, I, I can rest up a few weeks and I'm going to be fine when the tennis starts again at a slam? Yeah, I mean, certainly that the field has a big opportunity on grass and she's not you know, she said before, you know, after she won the French Open, she said that she, you know, her, her coach, Thomas Viktorovsky, who, who obviously coached Agnieszka Radvanska, who was, you know, grass was her best surface. He, he told her that he thinks she can be great on grass. And even though she won junior Wimbledon, she's not, she's not certain that it will happen. It, it, that is the case right now. But so, so I do think that the field have, if, 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 of, of all surfaces and all places that, um, you know, on grass and at Wimbledon, that's the biggest chance. Um, but I do think she's still one of the top contenders at Wimbledon and her, her, she's shown that her game can translate on all surfaces. Um, and, uh, you know, re- regarding the her taking, um, uh, taking the time off, I think she just needed it, really. I think she was exhausted after the French Open and... Mm. You know, she she might you know in in terms of you know improving on grass and and you know continuing that upward trajectory, it it probably would have served her well um, to play a, a lead up tournament. But again, kind of similar to Jabir, you know, if if she played that but then reached the reached Wimbledon exhausted, then that wouldn't you know wouldn't have amounted to much anyway. So I think she's taken that kind of calculated risk that her her being in you know mentally kind of fresh and physically fresh is probably better for her chances than you know being coming to the grass with with matches under her belt and coming to Wimbledon with matches under her belt on grass. So yeah, yeah. so we'll see how that, that that goes for her. Yeah, um, but before we just over hop over to the the men's side, I I want to get your thoughts on on just I guess from that field, maybe maybe two or three other names that you're you're eyeing beyond Igish Viontek to win the title, and I, I guess I'll give you my my couple names here. Um, Arena Sabalenka, obviously she's had sort of dips throughout this season, but you look at how well she played at Wimbledon last year. And she, she can't she can't play, but that's, that's, she would have been one of my players. But... Oh, did she get hurt? Pardon? Did she get hurt? No. But, uh, oh my goodness! Sorry. Yes, yeah, she's, she's Belarusian. <laughs> I, that's that's right. Oh goodness! I, did, I, I, I mean, did, I did exactly that. But... 
on another podcast recently. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, goodness. Forget about these very key details. So, all right. We have to cross one of the names off my list, but uh, another couple at least would be, uh, so I think certainly Coco Goff seems to, the, the All England Club certainly being, seems to bring out some of the best tennis uh, in her. And of course, she's coming off a French Open finals run. And I'm trying to look at other names. You you wonder about Maria Sakari seems to have a general consistency across all surfaces. And then is is it possible that maybe Karolina Pliskova sort of gets her form together in time for, for Wimbledon? Obviously, she's been sidelined for much of the season, but seems to be playing okay again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those, those are good good calls. Um, I, I agree particularly with, with Goff. And yeah, she, she, she's shown that she... Like a bit like Jabba, she's an all-court player, and you know, different surfaces bring out different aspects of her game. Like on 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 the grass, her, her serve can, you know, win her more free points, etc. I guess I'd, one per- person I, I would have added is also Bencic, but before yeah. she got injured against Jabba in the final of Berlin um, to, today, um, just because yeah, she she's another player who, who loves grass and has always performed well on it and seemed to have, you know, a, a great opportunity to given that, you know, some of the other, again, some of the other top players don't necessarily say, yeah, Goffin and Benchich would have been mine. We'll, we'll continue from that point and just hop over to, to a couple of men's stories, storylines. And I have to say, I, I'm so impressed by the fact that Matteo Bertini um, can come back just after missing an entire clay court season. He knows his ranking is, is so much reliant too on that Wimbledon finals run. He had no opportunities on clay to add points and just winning back-to-back titles. I know he didn't really face any top, top competition, uh, but I, I have to like slot him in as I think one of the top three guys heading, heading to the slam tournament, just, uh, just by his level. I think for sure. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, his, his record on grass is at this point is, it's incredible. He's like, I think he's 32-3 since uh, 2019. Uh, won like 20 of his last 21 matches on grass or something, only losing to Djokovic in the um, Wimbledon final. So, you know, and it just kind of, you know, he, he's, again, another awkward player who, who played well on all surfaces. He made the semis of all four slams. Yep. But grass just brings out like the extra, I think that the, ex, the special, you know, just the de- other aspects of his game, like his, his back end slice and his, uh, you know, he has nice, nice feel and hands and can even volley well. So yeah, it just, I don't know. He just, he's so confident on this surface. And, and yeah, I, I agree with about um, him missing almost, you know, three months of, of the season and just coming back and winning two titles is, is massively impressive. Even if the, he wasn't playing, you know, top five opponents. Um, and particularly he, he said that he, um, well, first of all, he was quite, you know, naturally, given that he had surgery as well, he was quite, I don't know, he was just, there were a lot of doubts there mm-hmm. when he started playing again and, and um, you know, not his, his, he had surgery on his finger, but when he started playing, he said that his hand, you know, his, it just didn't feel, there was a period where his hand just, you know, the muscles had naturally like relaxed and so playing tennis kind of hurt, you know, trying to play a lot hurt his hand and he's wondering will I get this back will this will the muscles be kind of what they were before and I don't know just the way he went to Stuttgart and then um, Queens and 
kind of handled both of those tournaments was definitely hugely impressive. And yeah, he's he's one of my top favorites as well. He was last year and again this year, I think. Yeah, uh, certainly. As as I said, I think think top three for me. Um, I know he went down in in the quarterfinals this past week in Halle, but um, for for my money, I, I think the early returns on grass after a good French Open for Felix Ogiel-Yassim, I, I think are high right now. And he lost a tight match to Hubert Hurkacz, who of course went on to win that title. Um, Felix and Dennis. I mean, Dennis made the semifinals last year can't seem to win a match now uh Felix has had success at the past of Wimbledon quarterfinals and just seems like the more consistent of the two uh, do you see the Canadians maybe making some noise at the All England Club next week and in the coming weeks yeah so um I mean with, with Dennis it, it seems like he's in a bit of a slump right now and you know he could he's you know obviously he loves grass and that could, you know, he performed so well at Wimbledon last year, so like writ so well. So, I mean, it's it's possible it could things could turn around, but I mean, certainly he's not in great form right now, and, and wasn't at, at Queens this week. Um, I think that, um, Felix. So, yeah, he he's, I don't know. I've I've just liked his progression this year. Even if he, yeah, as he said, he lost in the quarterfinals of of Halle. Um, just the way he's the, the obvious growth, and you, you kind of saw that at the French Open with the the clay season, really in general. Where he, he I think he outperformed what most most people thought he'd he'd do on clay, mm-hmm. and then pushed Rafa to five sets, and and essentially for, you know put everything out there and said you're gonna have to beat me, and and of course Rafa Rafa on clay, but you know <laughs> of course that's that's what he did, um, but a lot to be kind of hopeful about. Um, he's now, you know, gone deep in, you know, n- numerous slams. He knows how to do that. Um, and it's just about, you know, when when he, if and when he he, he goes deep again and faces the top player, then at some point he's, you know, just t- taking the opportunities he gets. And I mean, I, I th- again, like, I think he, he did everything right pretty much against Nadal at the French Open and that's what happens to Nadal when you play Nadal. But if and if, if he keeps on doing that, then he'll he'll have more opportunities to, you know, another deep run, what an even deeper run um, than than he, he has done in the past. But yeah, I I, I really like um, Felix's progression and just how his I don't know how his game has become uh, just more just more, more there are more dimensions to his game and you know he, he's problem solves better and he doesn't panic when you know the, you know the, the, the first plan isn't going as well and yeah he's just he's he's growing really well um sp- speaking of canadians um well i guess that the third would be Bia- well back to yeah, women's okay. is bianca and mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean yeah she she, did, she she performed you know she had a really good match against pliskova in in berlin and you know grass isn't her surface I think she's still kind of, you know, just working out, working it out, and finding her feet on it. But I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, so I, I thought, actually thought at the French Open that that was a big opportunity for her to to go deep, and didn't happen for her against Benjic. But I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting. For, I think at some point there's, you know, there's there's a big run in her. I'm not sure if it will come at Wimbledon, but I, I think there's some something coming soon and you know just the fact that she's now 
are playing kind of week after week and it seems like she's over the physical issues and I think at some point she's she'll she's going to put it together again this year yeah look I I think we are both sensing that too it's wild to me you know just a few days ago she turned 22 years old you think still um given like all the physical issues, um, sort of mental challenges over the past couple of years. And, and now she's regrouped and you, and you think, wow, she, she has so many years ahead of her. And uh, I think so many great years ahead of her. Uh, and yeah, much like the clay season, she hasn't really had a proper grass court season at any point in her career. So I, I think we're, we're fascinated to see now that she's sort of getting consistent match play. It was started on the clay gets the opportunity to play Wimbledon again. And then of course the, the North American hardcourt swing where we've seen her have immense success at the past. Of course, those memories from 2019, I, I think we can hopefully uh, see some big wins uh, in her future as well. Uh, Jumani, thanks so much uh, for joining us from Eastbourne. Really appreciate your commentary and uh, love your writing as, as always. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me and if whenever you want me back just just let me know there you have it my chat with Jumaini Carriol who is currently in Eastbourne and will be on site at the All England Club as well and look we we talked a bit about Matteo Berrettini's dominance and sort of putting him in the top three of contenders at, at Wimbledon and yeah, he, he has to be there, right? He just won his second consecutive title on grass, this time taking the, the cinch championships, defeating Krajinovic. And if you look at the landscape, I, I think it's kind of Novak, Rafa, Berrettini, and, and then sort of into the second tier. That's at least my view. It is a very short list. And, you know, partly when I was trying to think about um, who were my big contenders on grass, uh, we haven't had a lot of grass court tennis in recent memory. It came back to yeah. championships was back in 2021, but the year before, the whole grass court season, as I recall, was uh, wiped out due to the pandemic, which was really just ramping up at that time. And you look back at the draw from 2019 at Wimbledon, and a lot of the names that went deep there are not playing now or are a shell of them for their former selves. Federer is not uh, there right now. Kane Shikori made the quarters or, or so at Wimbledon that year. Uh, De- David Goffin. I mean, these are not names that right now are really on our list of, yep. of, of guys who are going to have, uh, you know, deep runs at a major. Um, so it is wide open. Novak to me is number one, undisputedly having won the last three times. And I don't know about you, but I feel like Novak hasn't really done peak Novak yet. Like I, I feel like he's, he's still not there yet and it's only a matter of time and where better than on the grass here. Yeah, I, I think his confidence is like all time high when he shifts over to this surface. You know, just the fact um, he's he's toppled the very best in, in Roger Federer. He's beaten him on his favorite surface at Wimbledon. He's he's one of the last three times. And the reason he doesn't have four wins in a row is because we didn't have it in 2020. He certainly would have been the favorite if we had had it that season as as well. I want to say we saw glimpses of his very best just before the French when he won Rome. He looked fantastic, I thought, in that tournament. And, uh, you know, probably didn't play his best overall match losing in the quarters to Rafa. And his best was absolutely required if he wanted a chance chance to win. Um, but certainly he has the upper hand. You know, I'd say he has the upper hand among the big three when they get to grass. And right now there's only two. And we haven't seen Rafa at, at Wimbledon in some time. Yeah, and the last time we saw him, there was a semifinal appearance from back in 2019 
against uh, Roger. Finals, yeah, 18 and 19 semifinals. He had a stretch of six years before that where he failed to advance past the fourth round. Um, and just to get back to Djokovic um, for, for a second here, but you got to feel that that overhaul slam count is on his mind. Mm-hmm. And he's two behind Rafa Nadal now. And, I, I mean, he's got to get one more slam this year, I feel like, to maybe I'm jumping the gun a bit. I don't mean to ever have a chance at catching Rafa or overtaking Rafa, but if you want to get three more majors and he's 35 turning 36 within the next 12 months, um, you got to pick up something this year, don't you? I I would certainly think so. And as great as fantastic of a hardcore player, he is too. We've seen things go awry for him a lot at the U S open. I mean, you, you look at back at uh, the one from, Two years ago, where he hit the air and ball that hit the lineswoman, got disqualified, ran out of gas completely in the final, losing to Medvedev last year. Like, U.S. Open is not one of those. It's not like the lockdown tournament for him the way Australia is. So, yeah, you think this is his best chance um, to, to notch a slam for this season. And uh, he's definitely the favorite in my eyes as well. I, I think, like, the wild card I want to just mention is Carlos Alcaraz. We, we are not seeing him on a lead-up on grass like, is he someone who could do damage here? Like, can he make a run? He seems to be incredible on any surface. Well, he says that he feels he can win Wimbledon, so that's got to account for something. And I feel like when he says that, that's not lip service. I think that kid yeah. believes he can win any tournament on any surface. I did a, did a little digging into his uh, junior record on grass, and uh, he had a 5-2 and two record, from what I could tell, uh, making the quarterfinals of two junior tournaments in 2019, Wimbledon being one of them. But what does that mean now? Pretty much nothing. I mean, in 2019, as a junior, he lost in the first round of Roland Garros on clay. But I think we all consider him right now a top three, top four player on that surface. So, you know, that's uh, that's ancient history now in a lot of ways. He's playing with the pros. He belongs with the pros and at the top level as well. So I see no reason why he can't put his name in there. And aside from the three players that you mentioned, I mean, it's going to be pretty wide open. We're missing the Russians, Medvedev. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Rublev and Hachinov, all who have played well or have the ability to play well on grass and have some of them done done well at Wimbledon in the past as well. You take them out of the equation, I think when we look at our final eight, it's going to be almost impossible to predict it because there's going to be some some wacky names there or some names that we just wouldn't expect to be there. I yep. think it's going to be quite a, an odd tournament for many reasons. I mean, no ranking points, no players from Russia or Belarus, um, no Roger Federer, which still seems so strange on grass. Um, so I think it's going to be kind of wide open after those three names. And we're going to see some some fun matchups in the second round of, of this major. Second yeah, week, sorry, of this major. No, definitely. Um, and Alexander Zverev injured. He'll be out. So that's another top five out of the equation. Um, you know, we've talked about Marin Cilic, someone who's super dangerous on the grass. Maybe he can make a run. And I'll transition to ma- mention Hubert Hurkacz, who just won his fifth career title winning, winning in Hala. And he now enters the top 10 for the first time in his career. We know he's a very solid player. I'm not going to call him a grass court specialist, but he definitely plays his best on this surface. He made the semis of Wimbledon last year and took out Roger in straights. Um, 6-0 in that final set. Some people will remember, maybe sadly, if you're a Fed fan, but uh, he is pretty pretty adept on this surface too. I, I think he's probably in the mix if you're looking at like top six to eight names. Sure, and anyone who can hoist that trophy from Hala. Uh, that big, huge, massive <laughs> yeah. trophy earns my respect. So for doing that alone, uh, her catch goes up a couple of notches uh, on my list. Uh, to me, it's still strange seeing anyone other than Roger Federer uh, hoisting the trophy. And Hala, he's won it 10 times. He's been a finalist three other times. And 
I, I wish the shroud of mystery of when he's going to return uh, was lifted. I'd really love to know. I mean, is he just kind of hoping to come back for the Labor Cup to boost ticket sales and make a splash to his event? I mean, that would give that event, uh, you know, all the press that it, that it needs right there. Um, I, I want to see him play some meaningful tennis. I want to see him back. It seems like he's aiming to come back, but is 2022 already kind of a write-off, I wonder? Yeah, I, I did read a report that he intends to play the 2023 season. Um, so you wonder, that kind of plays in my mind that is he basically setting up for a very light schedule of 2022, plays the home tournament in Basel, as you mentioned, Labor Cup, maybe just a couple events towards the end of the season, and then has kind of another rest and training block to, to gear up for one, one last hurrah, maybe in 2023, last year, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, we, we got to put in for press credentials at any of those potential tournaments because, uh, you know, one last chance potentially to talk to one of the all-time greats. And mm -hmm. uh, you, you don't want to miss those opportunities as they come up. And if we switch over to the women's side, one great who's coming back to action, this is incredible. And, of course, for tennis fans, for tennis journalists, for fellow players to see her out there, potentially get the chance to compete against her one last time. Who knows? Serena Williams is back. And as you mentioned in the leadoff, only playing doubles in Eastbourne, which is uh, interesting. Is it to sort of deflect some of the pressure, ease her way back into competition, only having to cover half the court? Mm -hmm. uh, what's your take on Serena's decision to return in this way? Yeah, my belief is it's kind of dipping, dipping your toe in the waters of competition and easing back in. You would think at her age, now, now being 40, the amount of tennis she played, if she weren't ready to play Grand Slam tennis, I don't think she would bother taking that wild card and competing at Wimbledon if she didn't feel like she could physically handle it. Uh, I think you know, we might see some physical limitations in terms of rust, in terms of getting back into match form, even though I, I know she's certainly been training and, and working towards this. But yeah, I, I think this is kind of a lighter week sort of buildup. She gets the benefit. And I've always said this um, as a benefit for older players. When you are playing the slam, you get the day off between matches. So, you know, you can kind of reset and recover, get that extra time for, for a two week slam, uh, best two of three, you rest for a day and, and regroup and, and stay refreshed that I, I have no doubt. I think her body is prepared, um, for, for singles and she's kind of easing into it with doubles. That's my take. Right. Right. And it's uh, going to be the first tournament we see her without coach Patrick Maradoglu in, in right. many, many years as he is now working with uh, Simona Halep and still getting used to saying that, but that's different. Simona Halep, who just won Wimbledon, uh, what, three years ago. So you got to put her on the list of potential, um, you know, threats there. Uh, neat to see Serena playing doubles with Ange Jabeur. Serena mm -hmm. has only played doubles in her entire professional career with, I think I read the other day, like five, maybe six women in total, because so many times it was her and Venus, right? The sisters would partner up, play the slams and uh, pretty much dominate every time they did. Um, I think it's a cool partnership. Ange Jabeur is so well-loved by her fellow competitors. So uh, that speaks volumes to, um, you know, just how well-loved she is when an all-time great like Serena chooses to come back for the first time in a year and ask to play doubles with you. Um, so that's neat. I hope they have a, a pretty good run just to see a couple of her matches. Um, who else we got playing this week? Well, we got to mention, um, well, let's talk about Bianca Andreescu. Yeah. She made the double, speaking of doubles, she made the double semifinal in Berlin with uh, Sabine Lisicki. Veteran Sabine Lisicki uh, with mm -hmm. the big serve, who's done real well in years past at Wimbledon uh, with that big serve of hers. And uh, in singles, couldn't get past um, last year's Wimbledon finalist, 
Carolina Pliskova, the ace queen. Um, what do you make of uh, Bianca's uh, return to grass court? Well, I, I mean, Tumani, I, I love that Tumani in our interview mentioned her. And as we were looking at names, he sensed he, he feels like a run could be on the horizon for Bianca, which I, I think tennis fans should love to hear. She, you know, gutted out a tricky first round win against Katarina Siniakova, who who is a strong player, a 6-4-4-6-6-4. And look, coming down to the wire with Karolina Pliskova, I know Pliskova has been absent for much of this season, but I think that was a pretty big win for her. 7-6, 9-7 and a tie break in the third set. This is someone who made the Wimbledon finals last year. And as you mentioned, the ace queen. Her game with that that big sort of pretty flat forehand and powerful serve, maybe the best serve on the women's tour, really plays up on the grass surface. Um, so I, I'm sure Pliskova gained a lot of confidence from that win. I think Bianca's right right there, honestly. Um, maybe we were a little disappointed with how the French Open went, but then you think she faced Belinda Benches. She's a great player. I thought she had a pretty good clay court lead up. I still feel like she's, she's mentally in, in the right place, has the right mindset. She's not putting too much pressure on herself. I think this is positive signs. I, I understand as well. She's playing one more tournament lead up at the bad Hamburg open and she'll face a French open semifinalist, Martina Trevisan. So um, one more tournament lead up, get ready for Wimbledon. She still lacks experience on grass. So this is still, I, I think for her and a lot of the women's players, uh, still learning this surface, especially some of the top 10. Yeah. I mean, really, I feel like 90%, this is not an official stat, but 90% of her <laughs> matches since she really hit it big in 2019 have been on hard court because she played so yes. little clay and yep. she also missed out on a grass court season and with injuries as well. So uh, what to expect, who knows, but maybe she can get a little revenge for Leilani Fernandez from her French Open loss to Trevisan. Canadian fans, no doubt, would, would like to see that. And and I kind of echo what you were saying or hinting at, that I feel like she's due for a breakout at some point. I feel like in 2022, we are going to see her go deep, make a final, contend for a title or two. Um, I think it's just, it's going to click. And when it clicks, I think it's going to be like lock-in mode. The belief will completely be back and and look out when she does. So I'm excited to see what she can do. Um, let's mention a couple other Canadians, um, looking back at last week and then looking ahead to this week. First of all, looking back, uh, Rebecca Marino qualified and then lost in three sets to Yelena Ostapenko and Ostapenko did not endear herself to Canadian tennis fans with her comments afterwards. I know you mentioned it on social media. What was the reaction you got from that? Cause I certainly stand by your take on Ostapenko's, um, you know, really gutless kind of comments. Yeah, look, I, I didn't mince words with this. Nostopenko beat Marino 6-2-5-7-6-3. Um, what essentially transpired in the match, Nostopenko was up 6-2-5-1. Marino stormed back, wins six consecutive games to steal the second set uh, before Nostopenko was able to regroup and, and win the third. And look, the people who did say they, they liked um, Ostapenko's honesty, I, I think there's a way to be honest about saying you didn't feel like you had your best performance, but are happy to get through without dismissing an effort of another player. And especially, I, I mean, maybe <laughs> I had a couple of people calling me like a Canadian homer. I, I think part of the well, reason we are, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't mind someone calling me that, yeah, sure, you know, that, if the shoe that, fits, but right. Right. I just, you and I know, like, I think Rebecca Marino, this is uh, aside from being Canadian, I think she's one of the most well-liked and well-respected players on the tour. She's such a nice and kind person. So for, and for what us, she's gone through in her career too, right? Exactly. Like, a little um, respect for the veteran, a little respect for what she's been through. Those comments to me, just like, look, you can be honest without being a total jerk, right? Like, 
There's a way of being honest about your own game without disparaging your opponent. And her comments towards Marino were just disparaging and unnecessary in my mind. And, and I, you know, yeah, I, I like a player who speaks their mind, but there's a way to do it. And that to me was not the way to do it. Yes. Yes. Um, she, she claimed my level is way better than her. She didn't do anything. She didn't change anything until, um, until the score sort of changed and yeah, very dismissive. Look, I, I tweeted, I felt she's been one of the worst representatives of the sport out of the grand slam champions of the past 20 years. Maybe that sounds harsh. Um, you know, I, I could probably walk that back a little bit. Maybe I, I think she's been a negative representation at times of this sport. She had an MTO against Tomjanovic down 4-0 in the third set of a slam, breaking her rhythm on serve, like in the tail end of a third set of a, a major match. I thought that was bad. We've seen her engage poorly with the crowd during matches, yell at people. Just I don't particularly like the way she carries herself. If you're an Ostapenko fine fan, that's that's fine with me. I just I didn't like the moment. Yeah, she's on my you know what list, okay. And uh, <laughs> and honestly, it has nothing to do with the comment. To me, it just kind of like um, amplifies uh, my feelings a little bit because Marino was the opponent. Yes, uh, but no matter who the opponent was, to me, I would have said, oh, that just doesn't show any class. That's not cool. So yeah, you know what? That's it. No more talking about Ostapenko. We move forward here, and she's we move. For us. Yeah, we right? move. Uh, we move onwards and and upwards. We'll touch on a couple other Canadians just quickly as we wrap here. Uh, I mean, I mentioned to to many, this is a brutal slump for Denis Shapovalov, and he goes out first round at Queen's Club to Tommy Paul. Since beating Rafa on clay in Rome, which you think is one of the great wins you can come up with, maybe one of the best wins of his career, he's now lost five consecutive matches. Losses to, okay, Kasper Ruud on clay. We'll forgive him for that. Uh, Ilya Ivashka, Holger Rune, Oscar Ott, and Tommy Paul. I'm looking at those names, especially the last two, like to lose to Ott and now Paul. We want to say like grass is his best surface, and he can't get out of the first round right now. Yeah, maybe he just needs Wimbledon to go on a crazy run like last year and make the semis again, right? Like, who knows, <laughs> knows if that's the place where it can kind of turn around for him. But it hasn't gone well. It hasn't gone well since he dismissed Jamie Delgado or they parted ways, whatever happened there. Um, and things have not gone well. He's working with Peter Plansky. That is not paying early dividends, middle dividends, any dividends as of yet. Uh, I don't know what's next for Chapo. I don't know what he needs to do, but it just kind of seems like he's a little bit lost right now. And, um, you know, we'll see if he can get it back on track at, at Wimbledon. He's the streaky kind of player where, you know, we've had stretches like this in the past from him where we've questioned what's going on. And then, mm -hmm. boom, all of a sudden he plays lights out, shows us the kind of tennis that we know he's capable of and, and strings it together for consecutive matches. So you do know he's going to shake out of a slump because he's done it time and time again. But it would be nice if, as he you know grows and develops as a professional tennis player into his early 20s, I mean, he's going to be in the mid-20s at some point, yep. you'd like to see a little bit more of that consistency. And uh, yeah, we're just not uh, getting any evidence of that quite yet. Yeah, uh, we, we have been getting it from Felix Ojealiasim, who did make the quarterfinals in Halle before losing to good friend Hubert Hercatch 7-6-7-6. Seven, seven, six, seven, six. Uh, no shame in that loss. And as I told Tumaini, he's probably within um, within my top eight, I think, of contenders for, for Wimbledon. The way he's playing uh, carried himself so well on the clay, of course, losing in five sets to Rafa and yeah, he, he's very, very solid on the grass court service uh, as well. I guess final notes before we wrap here. Um, National Mike Open is coming up very soon. 
very soon. And I mean, we're starting to get the, you know, the, the media messages and, Hey, are you coming back? And I mean, obviously we'll be coming back because we're the official of podcast of tennis Canada. So yeah. we're going to be doing our thing, uh, which we were only able to do in a limited capacity last year because of restrictions and only allowing fans in Toronto on the main stadium court. So this year's going to be back to normal ish. I would uh, expect and that'll be great for us. And that'll be great for you because we're going to bring you all sorts of inside content from around the grounds here in Toronto, as well as from uh, Montreal. And yeah, August, I mean, summer's upon us and August will be here just a few weeks away. And uh, yeah, we got great news is that we're going to have a bunch of tickets to give away to the event here in Toronto to our listeners. So if you're in Toronto, in the GTA, Greater Toronto Area, or if you're planning on coming to our city uh, for the tournament this summer, then stay tuned. We're going to have some great uh, tickets for you including can i share can i can i say can i spoil yes you can including to bianca andrescu's tuesday night match um that week of the event too so you'll definitely want to keep checking back with us uh we're going to start giving those away sooner rather than later yeah yeah so keep checking in with us um because the tickets are coming and as you said bianca she already has her match set she even tweeted about it tuesday august the 9th she will be there in action at the national bank open so stay tuned uh, guys thanks for listening to match point canada we will talk to you next time